ahí la tiene Maradona, lo marcan dos, pisa la pelota Maradona, arranca por la derecha el genio del fútbol mundial, y es el tentativo a tocar para Borrachaga, siempre Maradona, genio, 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 ta, 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 ta. Maradona turns like a little eel and comes away from trouble. Little squat man comes inside Butcher, leaves him for dead. Outside Fennec leaves him for dead and puts the ball away. And that is why Maradona is the greatest player in the world. He buried the English defence. He picked up that ball 40 yards out. First he left one man for dead, first he went past Saxon. It's a goal of great quality by a player of the greatest quality. It's England the nil, Argentina two. The first goal should never have been allowed. But Maradona has put the seal on his greatness. He's left it thumbprint on this World Cup. He scored a goal that England just couldn't cope with, they couldn't face up to. It was beyond their ability. It's England nil, Diego Maradona two. On Wednesday, 25th of November, 2020, at around midday in Argentina, Diego Armando Maradona passed away after suffering a heart attack. Diego Maradona was one of the greatest footballers to ever play the game, perhaps the greatest, but to reference him just as a great footballer somewhat misses the point. Worldwide, Maradona was an icon of the 20th century and continued to be culturally significant in the 21st. He was especially a symbol of hope in the global south, where he was seen as a champion of the downtrodden and the poor. He never forgot his humble beginnings. In Naples, he lifted the most economically deprived major city in Italy, which contained one of the most underperforming clubs to unimaginable heights of joy and success on the field, and gave the city itself a steam back. For this, he remains a godlike figure in the city 30 years on. In Argentina, it is arguably impossible to put into words his significance, such as his his status. It is not an exaggeration to say that Maradona means more to a generation of Argentines that lived through the 1980s than possibly any other person to any other country in any other era in history. This is unquestionably true in a sporting context. Larger than life to the point it felt like the world found him hard to contain at times, his star burned bright for 60 years. Yes, he had his shortcomings, but most people do. But that's not to say everybody should just give him a free pass, but perhaps we can try to learn to be more understanding. It's difficult to judge somebody who lived the life he did, a life often forced upon him, and a level of stardom that anybody would have struggled to deal with. His mother said that she felt Diego stopped living his own life at 15, as everybody wanted a piece of him, something we've even seen in his death. Rest in peace, Diego, from everybody at World Football Index. And thank you. 
On the South American Football Show today, I'll be speaking to various familiar voices on South American football as we look at what Maradona meant to them and what Maradona meant to the countries they live in, as his legacy and star will surely continue to shine on for decades to come. I'm joined by Tom Nash in Argentina. Tom, how are you doing? Hello, everybody. Thank you for having me on, Adam, uh, for such a momentous occasion. Sad occasion, but also, you know, a happy occasion too, in a way, as we reminisce over the best moments of such a stunning career and such an amazing life as well. So, yeah, very much looking forward to everything we're going to be talking about today. And the other Tom, who's based in England, but his art is often in Argentina, Tom Robinson. Hi, Adam. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I think I've been through a, a whole range of emotions in the last few days. The First, the initial shock, then a kind of daze for seemed to go on for ages and then and sort of now it's just coming to terms with everything having you know looked at all the great footage of him and and heard everyone's great um memories and, and experiences with him and and yeah i'm looking forward to have this kind of cathartic chat with you guys to, to discuss the great man yeah um i'll be providing my perspective from chile whilst simon edwards will be providing his perspective from colombia how are you doing simon yeah, I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, when you listen to so many different people giving their perspectives, and we'll, we'll do so as well today, uh, you realise how big and how important uh, Maradona is and how reflective he is as well of a certain side of society, a side of football uh, here in South America. So I think that's something we can look at as well today. Indeed, indeed. Let's uh, Let's get started. First of all, I think we should go across to Argentina to... To Tom Nash, who lives there, um, just to see. Firstly, if you could maybe just say exactly how Argentina has been since his passing on, on Wednesday, and also kind of what Maradona means to yourself. It's difficult, really, to find the words for just everything that's happened in Argentina since Wednesday lunchtime. I think just uh, crazy, surreal, sad, historic seem to be the most used adjectives that I've that I've been employing over the last few days, just looking back at the chats that I've had with various people around the world who've been asking me this, this same question. It's a level of national mourning that's not uh, really associated with a sports star normally. It's, it's, this is more similar to a head of state. And I think he's only the fifth person ever to lie in state in Argentina. So that tells you a lot. You know, Most presidents in Argentina's history haven't had a send-off like this. Only a handful have. So... Um, it's a sense of mourning which um, is so so huge. Which the only the only thing I've ever experienced really like it in my life is the death of Princess Diana uh, in the nineties. You know, we were all young kids in in England when that happened, and it's the only event uh, of a sort of similar magnitude that I can recall happening in my life. Obviously, a very different person and for very different reasons, but it's the only thing that really comes into the same category as what's been happening in Argentina since Wednesday. Uh, for me personally, um, you know, I, I always thought of Maradona as really football in its purest format, you know, somebody who's just immensely skilled, just loves having the ball at their feet, loves playing a game anywhere, anytime against any opposition and any trophy, and just loves to beat the opposition, just loves to play passes, loves to shoot on goal, loves to win. And, you know, really... He he is football, and it's in its purest form. That's that's the way I'll remember him as a player. 
I can tell you actually about how the day sort of unfolded here in Buenos Aires on Wednesday afternoon because, you know, I was watching it live. Um, I actually had the TV on, you know, this was about 12.30, maybe just before one o'clock on Wednesday lunchtime, local time. Uh, I was working, um, you know, it was a very busy day actually for me. I wasn't intending to stop working, but I, for some reason I had the TV on mute in the background. I never normally work with the TV on in the background, but my wife had been in and she left one of the news channels on mute and I looked up from my computer at the TV just before one o'clock and it said, um, murió Diego Maradona. Diego Maradona has died, it said. And it, but it wasn't, the t- it wasn't the news channel's headline. It was a picture of the Clarín website, uh, which is Clarín is the biggest selling daily in Argentina for those who aren't too familiar with that. So they were showing a picture of the website showing, you know, it was all blacked out. The leather website had gone completely black and they just had this text in white and almost thought like, surely this is a hacking at first. So I, I turned the volume on and began to listen. And I was just hoping that something had been gone wrong or, you know, surely someone just hacked this, this site and this isn't real. And, you know, I turned on the debate and at that stage, Clarine were the only news source that had this news. You know, they had a, a huge global breaking news for, to themselves for about 15 minutes. So the news channels were actually debating whether Clarine should be publishing this because it's so sensitive. You know, we haven't got confirmation of this. No official source has confirmed this. This is extremely irresponsible from Clarine. So I, I sort of flicked around the other news channels and I settled on on one on TNA, which is one of the most famous ones here. And, uh, you know, I just continued watching and they were saying the same thing. They were saying, you know, we know an ambulance has been called to Maradona's house and we we heard that there's a, an urgent medical situation, but we don't have uh, these reports that, that he's died. And, we, you know, we're not going to say that because no one's confirmed that to us. So uh, the debate for about 10 minutes on Wednesday lunchtime was, was whether Clarine were correct or whether they were making a huge and historic mistake by, by saying something so sensitive. So... This debate went on for about five minutes. I think that's when I, I texted you guys in the group. I said to you guys, hey, this one of the media is reporting this, not all of it, but one of them is saying this. Um, let's see what happens. And then, you know, the, this went on for another three or four minutes. And then the screen of this news channel just flashed red and it just said breaking news. And you knew it. You know, I, I only had about three or four seconds there to to prepare myself mentally and I knew it. I knew that exactly what they're about to say. Once it turned red, I thought, no, this is it. This is the confirmation. And then they, you know, they announced that, that this had happened. And then, you know, I did the tour of the other news channels and everyone was, was announcing it as well. And that, that's the moment where it became a reality really, you know, we just had the, that, that faint glimmer of hope for about 10 minutes that there was some terrible mistake and Clarine weren't right or that they'd been hacked or, you know, it sort of held on to that that thread of hope just for a few minutes and, and it and it slipped away so so painfully and just so agonizingly as everybody in the country and, and of course internationally began to report it um, just around one o'clock uh, local time on Wednesday lunchtime. So it was, yeah, it, it was quite an eventful and traumatic and um, uh, just very sad day, something I'll never ever forget really. Was it? Was it was it one of those instances where basically all the national TV channels were covering the same thing pretty much all day? So yeah. you couldn't. Escape. Yeah, of course. Yeah, there's barely been any coverage of anything that's not Maradona now since since Wednesday. I imagine 
you know, once we get to Monday or Tuesday, you know, other news will begin to happen and things will, will begin to change. But, you know, since Wednesday afternoon, it's been between 98% or even 100% uh, about Maradona's death on the news networks in Argentina. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's excellent points. How about you, Tom? I know that you have kind of some Argentine family connections. Um, how um, how have they reacted to the news, as far as you know, and um, and you personally? Yeah, it's obviously been a huge outpouring of emotion. I think, even though it was something that we kind of expected, given his poor health over the the last few years, and, and certainly, I mean, you could even look back to the last. 20 years really where he's been in poor health um, in in certain moments so it wasn't a surprise but it's it caught everyone um by shock still and i think that was the in, the initial uh, feeling it was no one could really believe that he was no longer part of part of their lives obviously even though he's absolutely ubiquitous in argentina it doesn't necessarily mean that everyone absolutely adores him certainly as a man although the player I think no one can doubt his his perfection as a player. Um, so you, you you had a range of emotions depending on the different ages of of a lot of people. Certainly within um, yeah my my partner's family and the people that I spoke to, the friends that I have out there. But I, I think that because his he was just so omnipresent in Argentinian society, not just when it comes to Argentinian sport, but when you look at the culture, um, it, everything. About about Maradona is just everywhere in Argentina and you can't escape him. So it, regardless of your feelings towards him, which, you know, I'd say 90% of which were, you know, hugely respectful and, and beloved from, from most people that I know, there was just that sense that even every, everyone was touched by it because it's just a part of your life that's always been there that's just suddenly gone and and you can't really understand Argentinian culture without understanding Maradona and his, his importance so yeah a huge huge blow um but in, in a way his his death has helped unify the country again with that that shared sense of um wanting to mark this really special human being um, and, and his incredible life that he, he led. And obviously we saw lots of River and Boca fans hugging each other, Central and Newell's fans. And, and I think that's one thing that, that that really is going to be part of his amazing legacy is that how he unified and represented Argentina as well as, as Tom rightly says, um, represents football. Um, for me, obviously, I was, I was probably a bit too young to see him in his prime, but he, he's just one of those players that when you start learning about football, he's just he's everywhere he's kind of you take it as a fact that yeah this guy is one of the best you see all his um great goals and, and great skills and his his absolutely magnetic personality all of that is just if you're interested in football that's just a key part of it the two are absolutely synonymous with one another so even from, an, from an, being out here in England, I think so many people were affected by it, and obviously he's he's obviously played a big part in English football um, history as well, which I'm sure we'll get onto later. So yeah, it's uh, it's been very emotional, but it's it's been I've definitely found comfort in in watching all of the content and um, and hearing everyone's stories about him. And Simon, as a as a number ten yourself, um, obviously Maradona must have been one of the one of the number tens that that you most admired. And um, and yeah, I, I imagine that this came as as a, as a shock to you as well. 
Yeah, it was actually maybe a little fitting that um, I heard the news as I was walking off a football pitch. You know, I, I was playing football on a, in the morning here in Medellin and uh, we were picking up, picking up our phones and someone said, oh, Maradona's dead. And then there was like a moment of silence and it was, you know, shock. And obviously the news didn't come from nowhere. We, we know he'd had health issues, but to just suddenly have that, that point at which this huge figure of South American football, uh, this guy who had, you know, his shadow had hung over. And if, you know, this is Colombia as well. And obviously there was a mix of people in this game. There were foreign guys, there were guys from Europe, there were guys from the States and everyone knew that this was a huge moment. And being based here in Colombia, you know, Colombian football is influenced hugely by by two things. And one is the Argentine football, the Argentines who came here in the early golden era. And then also the kind of obsession and the celebration of a, of a number 10. Uh, Valderrama is obviously the Colombian version, but Colombia has always uh, admired and built its football around a, a, a great number 10. And, you know, there, there was no one better than, than Maradona. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's an incredible player and, and what he combines is incredible control of the ball. Like you see him warming up, you see him in games, you see him playing on terrible pitches. I'm sure we're going to speak about, you see him getting kicked, but what he constantly has is perfect control. When he kicks the ball, it goes where he wants it to go. You know, whether that be a little flick over the head or that be whatever he does, he has so much control, but that control combined with so much hunger and so much determination and so much fire, um, efficiency. You know, we see so many amazingly technical players here in South America. And even the very best, you know, you compare like Ronaldinho. We adored Ronaldinho. And, and as children, we were inspired by Ronaldinho's technique. But what Ronaldinho didn't quite have was Maradona's hunger and his desire and his passion and his toughness, um, which, again, was so necessary in this this period where, you know, defenders just just kicked people. You know, kicked him to pieces, and uh, the pitches were terrible, and the ball was bad. But you know, that incredible technique combined by great drive and hunger. You know, so as a player who aspires to be a bit of a ten, um, that's something I can admire, and something I can see as a shortcoming in my very very limited game is I don't have that hunger that he has. So it's he's inspiring for two reasons. One is his incredible. Uh, ability to do whatever he wants and to have that vision and that creativity and then you combine that with the toughness and the drive and the competitiveness and the desire to win and to to beat his opponents and i sure this is stuff we're going to talk about but those are you know kind of at times contradictory characteristics a player of great style then also a player of great efficiency and drive and effectiveness and toughness so yeah he's a player who is hugely admired here in colombia and obviously as a player i've i've also uh, really uh, admired as well yeah, that that tweet that I that I put out the other or a couple of days ago now, I think it was, where he's playing football tennis um, with Messi on on the same team as him, as well as a presenter and Tevez on on the other side, and the way he's able to manipulate the ball, um, especially with his left foot in that clip, is just unbelievable. You know. The, the the spin he gets on the ball at times, you know, it's it's worth, well worth checking out, Tom. But I think one of the things that um, I wanted to touch on in in this pod was kind of a reaction there in England 
to to it because I think it's fair to say it's it's been mixed. Um, this is this is first to Tom Nash actually I should say they're, they're based in Argentina because one thing I did want to find out on this pod was has there been sort of a reaction to that in Argentina as to how some in the English media have kind of um, have have reacted to his death in in what we can say is perhaps a inappropriate way or a, or a slightly trashy no, way? No, I think the thing that most people have highlighted in Argentina is just how respectful uh, most of most of the English and the English press and the English clubs and especially the FA uh, has been. Um, you know, England, the England Twitter account immediately put out a tweet, you know, sort of uh, showing their sorrow for what had happened. Uh, and you even saw at the Manchester City game on Saturday uh, you know, they were replaying his goal against England, the, the, the great one, not the handball. Um, so I think, no, fortunately, I think it was a minority within the English press. I mean, if you if you look, at, I saw a picture of all the front pages together on Thursday. And I think it was only the day, I think it? it was the Daily Star was the, <laughs> the main offender, which we probably shouldn't be surprised by. Um, but, um, you know, the, the, the majority of them were just saying, you know, thank you, goodbye, and you were the greatest. So, you know, I think most in Argentina have have highlighted uh, the respect that came from England. And, you know, a lot, a lot of them asked the question. They said, would we have, you know, if Maradona had been English and had scored a goal like that against us, would we have sent him off in the same way? I'm not quite sure, actually. So, um, yeah, I think there were elements of sort of anti- antagonistic elements, weren't there, in the UK. But, no, most people here have uh, just highlighted the... Uh, and, and being really, really very touched and, and, and sort of thankful for the respect that most of English football has shown to him since his passing. Uh, that's that's good to hear because that's kind of my experience as well. When when I did live in England and whenever I discuss Maradona with with any you know proper football fan, you know most would love him. You know, my, they wouldn't hold that hand of God moment against him. You know, I think with more and more time. A lot of uh, a lot of English people just sort of laughed at it, really, the audacity at it. I always found it quite funny, and and although I can't remember that game, obviously, I you know I have watched it. I have watched it back since um, a couple of times, and 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 it and it just reconfirmed the view that my dad always imposed on me from that game, and and my dad always said that forgave Maradona pretty much in the instance because of the way the England team were treating him in that game. Um, they, they were just trying to kick him off the, the, the pitch from, from minute one. They didn't really have any other tactic in that game apart from to try and stop Maradona by all means necessary. And they couldn't do that. And Argentina outplayed England for, for much of that game, if you watch it back. Yeah, I, I watched it back yesterday, actually. It was on BBC iPlayer Live and I watched the entire thing and, and it just did re- reinforce how many you know tough tackles were going in on him. I think Fennec could have been sent off probably at least on two occasions after getting that early yellow on him and and there were certainly a few times where he was getting you know an elbow in the back of the back of the head and it's I think that that whole idea of just simply labeling Maradona a cheat is it's just kind of failing to see the complexity and nuance of not only football but the world and also Maradona's inherently contradictory personality isn't it I think you know obviously Shilton's been the one who who has been the most vocal about it and I think you can understand why certain players haven't forgiven him um 
you know, they're entitled to that opinion. It's just certainly from Shilton's point of view, that constant reassertion of it and certainly the timing of it. You know, if if he's so caught up on class and decency, you'd think he could at least wait until Maradona's in the ground before uh, before sort of speaking out against it. So I, I would agree with what both of you have said there in terms of the vast majority of England fans, regardless of what they think about that particular moment, can appreciate Maradona for the for the class player that he, he was and, and the fact that he went and did that brilliant goal just four minutes later, just, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's often used just because it's so succinctly and concisely sums up the kind of differences it, that you see with Maradona. And it's, it's a, it's a convenient thing. Plus obviously the whole Anglo Argentine relations that, you know, no, don't just go back to the Malvinas, but go back, you know, centuries before as well so yeah I think generally from my point of view here the the vast majority of, of the coverage has been been very reverential yeah and um, at the start of this pod you had the two pieces of commentary um, for for that second goal that Maradona scores against England in the, in the quarterfinal in 86 um, it's often referred to as the goal of the century and what fascinates me about that clip in particular and, and why I've added it in, and you know, for, for me, those pieces of commentary were very iconic to me when I was growing up because of a VHS I had of, of the 1986 World Cup. It's the official film of the 86 World Cup. FIFA TV actually put it out this week, and I think you can still stream it from, from their Facebook. Um, it's called Hero. And it's the official story of the 1986 World Cup. And Maradona's obviously the star of that. And, and, and you get to see that World Cup from such unique camera angles, especially for that time. And, and, and you see just how great his, his performances were in, in that competition, even, even through those little clips. But the narration of it's excellent. And also the fact that they're always including commentaries from around the world as, as the, as the goals go in. And, um, and Jonathan Wilson often says that there is a feeling that Argentine, Argentine football is already scripted, which is a, which is a line I, I really love. And the commentaries for this goal from both the Argentine TV and English radio really could not have been more poetic if they were written after the goal had happened. Yeah, they're, they're both remarkable pieces of uh, of commentary, and with what Wilson says about um, you know Argentine football already scripted, that it's, it's kind of fascinated me more you know since Maradona's passing really, and made me think more of, about those two commentaries, which have always sort of um, have been in my head from, from a from a young age, and me and my brothers used to go across the field after after watching that that film and uh and, and play out some of these moments and, and, and commentary so yeah it's like that's, that's one of the big uh reasons why maradona means so much to me really because i feel that that seeing seeing the way he played the game from a young age growing up and yeah, he was always seen in in, in my ho- household anyway as as the greatest footballer ever, and yeah, and he he means a lot 
to me in that respect because I feel that he's given me sort of this obsession with football I've had and obsession with South America as well you know probably one of the main reasons I've, I've I've always been interested in in South American football, and then end up moving as a miles away to live to live on this great continent. So um, yeah, I've uh, like just doing that intro earlier. I'm not particularly uh, emotional person, but uh, yeah, I, I did feel myself choking up at times. So yeah, and and I was also fortunate enough when I was growing up that I spent a few um, summer holidays in in Naples, and uh, and just to see. The level of the level of worship he receives in that city, and this was in the nineties. This was in the mid nineties, so it had only been like a few years earlier. He had won the two titles for for Napoli and the UEFA Cup, and his face was just everywhere around the city, everywhere you walked. And and yeah, if you got talking to anybody, you know that is who they would want to talk about within within minutes. Sounds like a cliche. But it's true. Um, if you went in any restaurant, that restaurant would have a picture of the restaurant owner with Maradona, um, with Maradona eating in that restaurant. You know, yeah, I'm still, I'm still a little bit gutted that he's passed. Really, um, even though, as Tom said, you know, he wasn't a, he was far from a perfect human being. But I feel like he's always been a presence, <laughs> really, in in my in my football life. Well, that's the thing, really, because he does transcend the sport and the fact that he could be yeah. so loved in, in Napoli and also Argentina and also so many other places around the world. It's it's very rare that you get a player who imprints himself on the culture, on the architecture, on the, the music, the films, um, even the language, certainly in Argentina, as I'm sure Tom, Tom will uh, back me up on. There's so many phrases that he's given to uh, Argentinian Spanish. And I think that's, that's the thing that really, really strikes me is, again, if you go anywhere, certainly going with, with my partner, if we go anywhere in the world together and she mentions that she's Argentinian, the first thing that people will say is, oh, Maradona. It's, it's incredible how he's just a byword for Argentina. He's a byword for, for football. And I think that's, that's the reason why he's got that fervent, you know, religious uh, love of him almost everywhere around the world. He's just, you know, you can't have Argentina without Maradona. You can't have football without Maradona. He's really that bigger deal, basically. And and I think that is, as, as you summed up there, talking about Napoli, it's, you see that in, in so many places. And, and that's why he is just this, yeah, it's, I don't think it's far to say sort of demigod of a of a character and such a such a engaging and relatable um, icon, even if he was imperfect. I'd just like to add something here: the the nature of the uh, you know we're recording this on Saturday, and it's you know the reaction to his death is still unfolding minute by minute around the world. And I've actually got the TV on in the background here, and they've renamed two streets in Buenos Aires. Uh, one as Maradona and one as Diego, and they intersect. They cross each other on a corner where Mara used, Maradona used to live in a neighborhood called Villa Devoto, where he lived for a long time. So, yeah, there, there are now two streets in Buenos Aires called Diego and Maradona, and on the corner of Diego and Maradona is the apartment where he used to live. So the tributes and the, the reaction is still ongoing and unfolding even as we record this podcast. Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think another way of measuring just... <laughs> just how significant his presence is 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 something we experience Simon 
and Tom Robinson this is during the 2018 World Cup where we were asked to appear on various radio networks in in the UK and we used to joke that we kind of knew what questions were coming even, even though there would be a whole load of present modern day World Cup action um, to talk about inevitably Maradona's name would would come up and you would be asked for your opinion about him even, you know even though he's just sitting in the stands such that's just how big his presence was in 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 society in culture it could have been the most basic question from you know Maradona or Messi which I've been asked oh, countless times on radio shows over the years or or just a comment about how he was behaving in the stands during Russia 2018 um for for a lot of radio presenters in the UK this seemed more important than the actual football taking place on the pitch didn't it yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the thing for me as well, um, people will talk about different aspects of Diego Maradona and, you know, there are things he's done, obviously, I disagree with. There's opinions he holds I, dif- I disagree with. But for me, what, what stands out more than anything is he's he's a man who, um, and look, the Toms can correct me on this, but, but one thing, he just loves football. He loves watching football. You know, I saw a clip this week of, uh, not to go back to this game, but uh, of him watching Columbia, England in 2018. And he's in tears. Jenny Mina scores a goal. And he is the happiest man because, you know, he just loves football. You know, he loves South America. He loves the underdog. And I think these, um, these emotions uh, kind of help explain so much about him. You know, even, you know, he's... You know, uh, politically, people uh, you know, criticize him for aligning with with certain political figures in Venezuela and Venezuela. But I think all of that comes from his his championing of the underdog. And whether that's occasionally misguided or not, depending on your political position, I think there's constants in his career. You know, he wants to, you know, aside from the decadence and all that comes with suddenly going from being a kid from the poorest the poorest background that's been completely ignored to them being the superstar of a country and all of the challenges that brings a person. Um, I think he's always looked to champion the underdog uh, and just celebrate football because the, you know, Adam mentioned looking at him warming up, he always just adored kicking a football. Right. And, and as someone, you know, I, I just love going out and kicking a football, you know, during this lockdown, the thing that's, my far most difficult is not being able to go and play football and to see someone who has so many other things going on in his life but to still never lose sight of how much how important how much joy he could get from just kicking a football about so he called a football the greatest toy that he ever received or anybody could receive absolutely so for me again I think I think he's a man with many complicated stories and complicated facets but I think you can strip that all back to a guy who um, saw injustice and tried to uh, try to champion the underdog, and a guy who just loved playing, uh, playing with his friends, playing with anyone, and kicking a ball about. So, I think he's a complicated man with uh, with some quite simple uh, motivations behind some of his good decisions and perhaps some of his uh, more troubling decisions as well. Yeah, I think that's spot on, Simon. Certainly he's authentic. I don't think anyone could could level 
anything other than than that at him he's he's exactly he wears his heart on his sleeve and and he as you said he's got that pure love of football and also as you mentioned there he not only does he love Argentina which comes through when he's watching any Argentina team play whether that be football basketball rugby anything like that he he would be backing Argentina to the hilt which obviously endeared him massively to the people um he loves the the underdog figure. He's very much an anti-establishment figure, isn't he? Because you look at kind of almost in in the same way that Michael Jordan kind of almost invented and, and was fueled by rivalries, even sometimes if they were made up. Maradona had that as well, I think, coming from from where he did and then triumphing at the very highest level based on his skills alone. He was at that inspirational figure that could that could rally against you know the rest of Italy when they they were treating Napoli as almost a you know a different country or a different race and and booing the Argentinian national anthem when um in in the world cup in 1990 you know against against FIFA against the English obviously FIFA in in England are very much were very much tied up as, as one thing when certainly when Stanley Rouse was in charge um but he was against you know Bush he was against uh, the Vatican and there was there was all these kind of um not necessarily enemies but sort of motivational um rivalries that, that he had in his life and and as as well as that love of football that Simon was talking about he had that bronca that really typical Argentinian word that that is summed up as as you know so perfectly in Maradona he's got that fire in his belly that really means that he's going to absolutely leave everything on the pitch um and and those two were such a, a powerful combination um which is obviously you know made him so well loved not only in Argentina but around the world uh, tom what what other reasons would you say that he was so well loved in Argentina apart from obviously the the on field um, achievements. What what kind of else does Diego represent for uh, for Argentina? Well, I was having this conversation with my wife, who obviously knows a lot about more a lot more than me about the country because she is from Argentina and she's she's forty two. She's a bit older than me, so I was speculating on whether his life is quite representative of Argentina's existence itself, really. So just bear with me on this one. But um, <laughs> so Argentina. You know, is a republic that <laughs> was founded 210 years ago, uh, came from nothing, uh, lived an extraordinary high point in its history where it was, you know, when it shone so brightly, it sort of captivated the world. And, you know, for younger listeners, I'm sure all the listeners know this, but, you know, the, the teenagers and, and people listening might not realize that Argentina was a country which 100 years ago attracted, you know, so many immigrants from the old world from Europe, you know, people emigrating from Italy or Spain a century ago, the two main options they had, the two most attractive options they had were the United States and Argentina, which seems crazy now, you know, in the same way you might debate nowadays between United States or Australia or Canada or, or even Dubai or UAE in, in recent times. Uh, a century ago, it was Argentina. So in a way, he sort of lived this, his his life has sort of been a parallel life, really, of Argentina, where he he came from nothing and he shone so brightly, and then he just ended up in this this sort of self inflicted sort of mess and, and chaos, and, and he fell fell so far from the heights that he had been. You know, he didn't age gracefully, and 
you know, he had just a number of incidents and the things that Simon touched on, a number of opinions and incidents throughout his life that have just caused a lot of embarrassment and, and uh, rejection. And, um, you know, I, I was speculating on, on that with my wife, whether he might really, that's why people maybe feel such a stronger connection to him than they do to say Messi, because obviously, you know, you can point out that Diego did it all for the national team, whereas Messi left always just that tiny extra little bit just to be desired. But Messi's lived an entirely stable life, you know. He has his four kids and his family, and he's completely settled in Barcelona. Uh, the most unstable thing that happens in Messi's life is that he throws a little tantrum and threatens to leave Barcelona and then doesn't, or threatens to leave the Argentine national team and then doesn't. But, you know, he's never been involved in addictions or anything like that. He's had an entirely stable life, whereas Maradona has, you know, he's 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 so charismatic and so talented and shone so brightly but he's also got some flaws, you know, some flaws which were so big, which the, they ended up bringing him down in the end. So uh, I think he's, you know, perhaps even more representative of Argentina, the country, than certainly than Messi and and the many other figures here. That's perhaps why there's such a deep connection to him amongst the Argentine people. Yeah, it's, that's something, as again, uh, in a different example, but here in Colombia, you know, for me, it always strikes me how people feel such a greater connection with Juan Fernando Quintero here in Medellin than they do with James Rodriguez. James is the star. James is, in some ways, you know, the the more picture perfect superstar footballer. Um, but Quintero is the one that people can relate to. Quintero is the one who's a bit flawed, who's a bit chubby, who you know get, had got a bit distracted at a key point in his career. So. For me, I can see why Maradona's flaws or Maradona's eccentricities or Maradona's unconventional, at times problematic behavior um, can add to the picture uh, and and make him a more endearing character. You know, nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. And um, you look at Maradona and and the 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 position he's he's been put in because of his incredible. Um, contribution on the field and how he represents a nation and then all of the challenges that come with that uh, I think I think yeah I can understand why people would um, would feel a connection to someone who's who's not perfect uh, and who is uh, has such a, sh- a bright uh, spotlight shone on them at all times and then uh, has to deal with that uh, so yeah I can see why that creates empathy for people uh, who really understand and really understand you know where the players come from and see that connection they have with the country because you know that's that's all of us you know we all have our flaws and uh yeah it's a great comparison i was talking about argentina and how you know he's representative of argentina um you know i think i think people here in south america can see can see the challenges see the great things and see the problems and nobody was greater and not many had more <laughs> um more off the field problems than maradona and but for me as well the that game when he was managing argentina now we're not going to talk a lot about his managerial career because it's it's nowhere near as star-studded but that that joy when uh that game against peru uh, i think just embodies how much he he loved football, and you know we we're here talking about football every week. We we love watching football. We love watching good football. We love watching eccentric characters doing impressive things. And uh, Maradona obviously embodies all of that uh, to the nth degree. It's probably worth just emphasising as well for for uh, people who aren't familiar with Argentina, the country, or you know who don't know too much about the history of the country that what happened in '86 was very unique because. 
that was the first World Cup where Argentina was uh, had returned to democracy after so many years. So between 1976 and 1983, there was a very brutal uh, military dictatorship in Argentina, which disappeared, people is said to have disappeared, up to 30,000 opponents. Uh, a lot of them were just were just killed and thrown in, in the river and the estuary off Buenos Aires, you know, the human the scale of the human rights abuse was massive and it was systematic. Um, so, and then of course, towards the end of that military dictatorship is when they, they launch uh, the Falklands and Malvinas war uh, with the UK and end up on the losing side. And 86 was just so special, not because of what happened on the field, but also because it combined so well with what happened off it. So back in Argentina, they were, you know, full democracy was restored in 1983 and they got round to starting the long process of prosecuting the uh, human rights abusers as well, which was a very delicate process in itself because you couldn't sort of push it too hard because there was always the threat that these people could do another military coup and come back into power again. So my wife's memories of the 80s is sort of, you know, we're back in democracy, but this is shaky. This is this is not as, as well grounded and as stable as it is today in the 21st century. So they they went into 86, uh, you know, living under, a, you know, a full normal democratic president for the first time after the horrors of that dictatorship. And that team that went there, you know, then they're all well loved as well. Not just Maradona. Everybody's remembered Bilardo here as the manager of that team is remembered with almost as much affection as Maradona. You know, he holds as much affection as Maradona, even though he's not in good health himself. So for just for Argentine society to be genuinely happy and genuinely united uh, during those days of July 1986 was just something that's really unique and will, will be impossible to repeat in the future because hopefully we're never going to live through times which are just as dark again in Argentina. So added on, added to everything that happened on the pitch, just imagine the context off the pitch for civil society in Argentina in 1986. Yeah. And, and I think that again shows the, the unifying power of Maradona and also, you know, winning a world cup, I think is a unifying experience anyway, but the way in which it was done with arguably the best ever individual performance at a world cup, you know, you look at the highlights of, of that, that tournament from Maradona and what he managed to cram into a couple of weeks could be, you know, the, the show reel for some players in an entire lifetime if they, if they're lucky. So the fact that he did it in such a um, Argentinian style, you know, again, as Adam mentioned before that the idea of things being pre-written in, in Argentinian football and Argentinian society, the, the idea of the the pibe, you know, his nickname, the pibe de Loro, the, the the golden kid. That's that's an idea that's that's been around, you know, since the since the very start of the 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 twentieth century. It's um, it's it's you know that the idea. Yeah, it's, it's spooky how closely he matches that description, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. It's um, all the things that you associate with that idea, which which came about as. You know, Tom mentioned there that that rapid industrialization, the fact that that old idea of Argentinian identity, the gaucho, the pampas was was kind of falling away. And there was this new figure emerging that was rooted in the working class that was about, you know, someone, you know, a kid playing with freedom, rebellion, joy, who was doing these great 
dribbles um, on these terrible pitches, which obviously we saw in, in 86, maybe not to the same level as a Podrero, but, um, you know, it's it's that idea of, again, this guy coming from absolutely nothing, doing it in a way that is anti-establishment in terms of the English who brought along the football in um in the, you know the uh, the early days of, of football in Argentina, they were the ones who brought it um, along. But it was so structured, and it was for the upper class. Whereas this idea of the pibe who comes along, rips up the rule book. You know, he's unpredictable. He's got that cunning. He's got that trickery. You know, he's he, he's not well presented, but he he can do it that way. So even the form of playing was was a form of rebellion, a form of inventiveness, um, which which Maradona embodied absolutely perfectly so as as tom brilliantly summed up there with the the context of what was going on being able to stick one over the english not just because of uh, malvinas falkland's conflict but for you know a century of english being the the rule makers um and obviously that that debate which we we don't have to go into right now of malvinas it that, for Argentinians, it stretches all the way back to 1833. It's it's not just about the the, the war in in the 80s. It's it's something that goes back so long. So just to kind of see it in that context is not to really appreciate just how far back that that rivalry with England goes. So to do England in the broad daylight, get away with it, just makes it that even bit sweeter and and I mean even when you watch it back as well the commentators didn't realize at first a lot of the players didn't look like they realized at first it was something that it, you know it, it wasn't like this yeah he was he was calling them over to celebrate because some of them weren't sure whether he had used the <laughs> hand or not <laughs> they were like it's uh don't worry about that just come and celebrate before the ref realizes i handled it kind of. yeah even one of the england players at the end asked for his his um shirt and then shilton had a go at him saying why are you doing that he's he handballed it he was like oh i didn't realize so yeah it's steve steve hodge ended up uh, with his shirt and and the funny thing is steve hodge's autobiography is named the man with maradona's shirt so <laughs> exactly. So you know, you see the likes of Lineker and and Peter Reed, who, who definitely seem at peace with it. Some of the other players definitely aren't. But it all kind of it it wasn't just the fact that it was a new democracy winning a World Cup, which is amazing for any country. Anyway, it was it was the way in which it was done, which is so typically Maradona, so typically Argentinian. If you look back at the the, the football rules, so I think that's a, that's another reason why he kind of that predestined godlike feel to, to Maradona. And obviously from that 86 world cup, you could kind of, you know, how can you top that? That is the the highest of all highs. Um, and obviously it feels almost like it was, it was destined to be largely downhill, albeit maybe not immediately, but certainly, you know, within four years, his world was changing. So it, that, that definitely is the tournament. Um, that that just really put him in the you know in the minds of everyone, and also because it was a time where we didn't have as much football on TV, it had that mythical quality of like who is this guy and how is he able to do all these amazing things? Um, you know, it doesn't matter that he's not necessarily doing it week in week out like Messi and Ronaldo do. The fact that he was able to do it in that particular context of how we consumed football just makes it even more special and even more you know godlike and 
mythological almost. Yeah, great words indeed. And, and one of the other things which has always sort of fascinated me about Maradona is just how loyal his teammates are towards him. Pretty much anybody who's ever played with him absolutely loves him. And, and that is not true for all great players. You know, some of them will, will maybe they will admire their their on-the-field abilities, but they, they won't like their personality at all and, 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 and they won't like them as people. They might see them as, as too harsh on them, trying to maybe meet their standards. And, and this is something that Liam Brady pointed out. He, he played in, in the Italian league at the same time as, as Maradona. And, um, and, and he said that in his piece, he said in his piece for the Irish Examiner, which is well worth reading, he he created so many chances for others, but most of these players often missed. And, and there are some absolutely horrendous misses in that 1986 World Cup throughout it. If you go through Argentina's games where Maradona's laying balls on the plate and, you, and, the, and his teammates are mucking up. But you don't see Maradona throwing his hands up in the air, having a go at his teammates. You don't see that. And I, and I think this is one of the reasons why his teammates loved him so much is because he didn't demand, you know, really high standards from everybody else. Because I think he had so much faith in his own ability to be able to win games, first of all. And and secondly, I think he understood that, you know, just how good he was. It was unrealistic for everybody to be, uh, you know, near his level. Um, and I think he, he understood leadership very well. And I think the way he saw best to lead was to to carry a lot of the weight on on his shoulders himself i think i'd second what you say there adam actually about his the respect his teammates and the affection his ex-teammates have from him you know we see all these characters on the tv all the time in south america and um you know valdano jorge valdano who's who was part of that 86 team he's on the tv in spain i can't remember if it's for espn or another network um he was unable to finish his sentences. Uh, we had Goicochea on TV in Argentina, uh, the goalkeeper who so memorably saved so many penalties to get Argentina to the 1990 final. He was unable to finish his, uh, you know, his thoughts as he just broke down in tears um, on Thursday afternoon. Uh, one of the most poignant moments as well was the actually the reaction sort of live of Oscar uh, Ruggeri, who was a defender in that 1986 World Cup winning team. Um, you know, they, they are on live, you know, everyone in South America who's listening already knows this. These guys are on live every day on, on Fox uh, or ESPN, um, led by a program sort of chat show about football that's led by uh, Sebastián Vignolo. You know, they're always on around lunchtime in Argentina talking about the games of the day. And, you know, they happen to be on live on air when the news broke and um, the studio... I've just never seen just the level of silence that there was. They just the other six guys are about six, six. I think there are six guests on the show, and as well as the host Vignolo, and they just sat in silence whilst Ruggeri just, uh, you know, let his thoughts be. He just broadcast his thoughts to everybody. You know, he just sat there looking down. He wasn't even looking at the camera. He's looking down at his own hands, just talking about how great Maradona was and how happy he was in in '86 and how grateful he was that Maradona could make them so happy and 
you could have heard a pin drop in the studio while they just heard Ruggeri uh, just about stutter, you know, through his thoughts and get them out live, you know, broadcasting his live reaction to an event like this, which was just so poignant. And, you know, it really, it was a sort of goosebumps moment really on Wednesday afternoon when, when that was going on on ESPN in Latin America. Yeah, here in Chile, Claudio Borghi is a big character in, in the Chilean media. And and for those who don't know, Borgi in his uh in his early days when it, when he came through at Argentine Juniors, um the same club that Maradona came through at, of course. Yeah, he he was he was probably the first player to be tipped to be the next Maradona. He only came through sort of a couple of years after uh Maradona did. Um but he he was a he he was a player with immense talent and uh, an immense potential and when he first started with Argentinos Juniors you know he helped he, he he played a big part in them winning the Libertadores and then the World Club Cup i think i'm right in saying they lost it did on they penalties, win the World Club Cup I can't they lost it on penalties yeah. yeah right okay yeah but even for for that club to win the Libertadores was was quite a big deal. Yeah, a lot of people thought that you know this is a this is a player in, in his early days that may even challenge Maradona. Obviously, that never happened, and he kind of lived his Argentina career in the shadow of Maradona. He was in that squad for ninety for the nineteen eighty six World Cup, but he would have probably only I think he only played a couple of games. Um, and yeah, the the main reason for that was because the man in possession of his, of his shirt was was Maradona. So, yeah, he was uh, he was very unfortunate in many ways to to have come along at the same time as 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 Maradona. But um, yeah, he, he his career didn't quite go as planned. But he always said, and he's been saying in the Chilean press this week that that Maradona was always very generous towards him uh, and and always thought of him as a or as an excellent player and always gave him the confidence if if ever he did have to replace Maradona in the side so yeah once again you know he was a player who um showed great loyalty to his teammates yeah i mean here in colombia obviously every team has been uh, you know Maradona is a man who who you know every team has a connection with every every club has been publishing photos of him wearing their shirt um, it's a source of great pride. Valderrama as well said yesterday um, that Maradona had once told him that the artists never go, the artists uh, always stay. Um, and he said uh, Maradona will, will never go. So, um, you know, Colombia's greatest ever number 10 <laughs> with a modern uh, rival um, showing his respect and admiration for uh, Argentina's greatest ever 10 who also has a, a modern rival. So, yeah, it's definitely he's definitely a huge figure here in Colombia, and, and Maradona, uh, his connection with Valderrama as well, um, is something that's uh, been very important here. Yeah, uh, yeah, Maradona's connection to Chile isn't isn't a particularly strong one or or, or, or great one on the on the face of it, but you know he was well loved, I think, by certainly the the Chileans who grew up in the in the, in the eighties watching him play in that era, Chile and Argentina didn't particularly have a great rivalry on on the football field as as compared to recent years. And um, uh, actually, I found a good quote from a Chilean sports journalist this week, Christian Arcos. He 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 said um, he signed off his 
column about Maradona this week by saying, um, I have never shouted the goals of another country other than those of Chile, except for the goals that Maradona scored. And he said he shouted that with everything that he had, and he doesn't understand why. I think a lot of uh, a lot of Chileans, as with a lot of people around the world, identified with him and and and, and loved him for the character he was. Um, yeah, Maradona only played in Chile a couple of times, um, and, and neither of, I don't think he ever played competitive competitively in, in Chile, bizarrely enough, uh, partly because, of course, yeah, they were in different groups in the 86 qualifying campaign. And then for 90, Argentina qualified automatically. Um, and then for 94, Chile were banned from World Cup qualifying. Um, so for, for, the, for the incident that we've discussed on, on another podcast, which worth checking out. So, so yeah, he bizarrely he didn't play competitively in Chile. From from what I can see, he played a, sort of a couple of charity matches, a couple of um, friendlies. But he he was he was still very much appreciated and loved on this side of the Andes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, also, I mean, he almost very almost played for America de Cali. You know, he signed a contract, agreed a contract before he moved to Barcelona. Um, before it was pointed out that he'd already agreed to join Barcelona, and there was a bit of back and forth, so the story could have been very different. It's also interesting they never played a, a Copa Libertadores game in his career. Um, both his brothers played one each. Uh, I think one brother played twice, um, and he was uh, never never appeared on the Copa Libertadores, which is a strange quirk of history. I think at one point. Um, Boca qualified, but he was with the microciclo. He was with the training camp for the for the Argentine national team. So, you know, strange, strange things. Where one of the great players who spent a lot of time here in South America, uh, unlike some other players, he he did have a important uh, part of his career based here in South America, but never actually played a Copa Libertadores game, which is uh, you know one thing we missed out on. He played in an era where it was much more difficult to qualify for the Libertadores. I think. Um... I think that's worth pointing out. Um, they didn't give out um, easy spots to sit place Argentina sides um, in 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 that era. Yeah, there's there's hope lots of great. Di- hope that didn't but, sound bitter. No, no, not at all. I mean, yeah, I think uh, certainly Libertadores uh, without teams like Defensive Justicia uh, in that era. That's for sure. Yeah, as I mentioned in the intro, there's there's no doubt that Maradona had some pretty significant flaws and, and shortcomings. But yeah, you know, I also mentioned in that intro that we should learn to perhaps be more understanding of these. And, and I do think this is a this is a key point with Maradona. Um, one of my best friends actually texted me after he's after he died, saying that he was quite surprised that I was so sort of. Um, sort of a bit upset about it and um and because he's always seen him as like an awful human being and and I just felt that those very strong words to be using about him even though there's no doubt that he did some awful things I think um I think some of the things that he that he did can't be excused really in any way but I think it's very difficult to understand somebody who lived the life that he did. And I don't believe that it was a life completely of his choosing. A lot of it was forced upon him. 
I think in that excellent documentary, um, Diego Maradona documentary um, produced by HBO, I forget the director's name. Capadia. Yeah, Asif Kabadia, that's right. And yeah, I, w- I watched that again um, a couple of days ago. And, and just the look on Maradona's face when he comes back from winning the 1986 World Cup with with Argentina and, and when he's in the airport back in Argentina um, and he's walking through arrivals. Yeah, he looks generally very, very afraid <laughs> at that point of of the amount of people trying to get to him and i think i read somewhere that people close to him said that he wasn't a person who particularly liked being in in the public eye that much and 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 sort of liked being touched that much either so he found a lot of these situations very uncomfortable um but yeah i just i just feel that that level of stardom that he had in the eighties, especially, um, I don't think that I think only a handful of people in history have ever had that kind of level um, of attention on them. And in pretty much any photo you see of Maradona, he's the centre of it. Everybody's just sort of looking at him or or trying to touch him. And yeah, I, I just think it's when when another human being lives that kind of life compared to sort of a average or normal life most of us live i just think it i just think it it is quite difficult to to try and put them on the same level yeah i would totally agree with that i think it's impossible really to put for any of us to put ourselves in his shoes and to to say that we would have done it differently especially if you think that how where he came from and and he really didn't have the tools to deal with anything like that kind of fame and fortune that was thrust on him even from an early age he said you know he was known about before he was making his debut at 15 as as this prodigious talent and he was you know even when he even before the world cup he was moving to to barcelona as the world record transfer so he was having to deal with it from I think yeah as you said earlier in the pod about the age of 15 and so he just didn't have a childhood he didn't really have a, a chance to grow up he was you know the almost the father figure of his own family he was the one who provided for him and his seven um, siblings um, all their kind of the, the extended family there you know he, he gave a lot back to um, people from his inner circle he never forgot his roots and that kind of fame and fortune takes its toll on you after at the end of the day and especially when you consider that you know he had an addictive personality he was addicted to football he was addicted to winning and then when you throw in the kind of temptations that that fame um throws at you then it was you know it was it was a slippery slope and it was a, a sort of a almost inevitable chain of reaction so i think that rather than as you said punish him or or even excuse him as as a lot of the time throughout his life he did get um indulged and excused of his um of his vices and, and i think and... that sometimes that was part of the problem yeah oh massively i think we we really have to take take a a firm look at ourselves you know maybe not us individually but you know the role of the media the role of the public um you know when someone becomes that level of uh, f- uh, famousness and um and is such an icon for around the world 
it's almost like they become public property and did everyone treat him with the uh, the humanity that he that he needed it was his physical and mental um well-being thought of especially in the latter days when you see him getting wheeled out um on his 60th birthday ahead of that gimnasia patronato game you know he 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 just wasn't wasn't with it and um and so many times he it felt like the people around him um you know, were, were guilty of, of squeezing him for everything he was, uh, is worth. And, you know, let, that's, again, I'm not trying to say that, you know, the drugs, the domestic abuse, the recognition of illegitimate, illegitimate children, the shady associations were, were things that you can, um, you know, explain away. But I think it's, it's this world right now needs a bit more understanding and, and, you know, that fame made him a prisoner as, as Galliano said. So it's, there's a lot that I think can be leveled at him. And I think one thing that always really annoys me is, is when people label him uh, sort of a, a drug cheat, you know, if, if I think they're conflating two ideas there, because if anything, the drugs and, you know, the alcohol that he was consuming, they, they weren't making him, you know, any, any better at football. If anything, they, they were hindering him. Um, and he could have been even more, you know, he's, he's been on record saying, you know, imagine the player I could have been, or, you know, what we missed out on. And if we think that he's already the best that we've probably ever seen, and he could have been even better had it not been for, for those uh, you know, elements, elements in his life that were in some respects out of his control or, you know, you know, it's, it, it's, I think at the end of the day, that's what makes him such a fascinating character because we've mentioned the the brilliant aspects of him the magnetic personality the you know the way he'd stuck up stick up for teammates and the way he never forgot his roots um you know all the all the great things like that but obviously the, the fact that he had this other side and these other you know the darker elements of it, of his personality just makes him yeah even more relatable and and even more fascinating really um tom i know that certainly when chatting to my partner she would say that a lot of younger people certainly maybe who didn't see him in it in his prime would would kind of point to maybe the the more negative aspects of his of his personality um as as things that you know we we really need to focus on but uh you know what's your view out there in argentina of of kind of how how he's viewed by the maybe the minority that that don't necessarily uh, believe that we should be forgetting these aspects. Um, I do think you're right. I think there's a generational element to this as well. I think that the people who watched him play and watched him be that brilliant and are so grateful for the the 1986 triumph, especially which you know they got to live in the flesh. You know they have almost one opinion of him, and you know the, the youngsters or the teenagers now they're more used to him being a meme, you know, um, that, that picture of him in the 2018 world cup, almost like sucking in the air as he looks to the sky when Argentina's playing, you know, that meme gets sent around Argentina all the time. You know, anything positive happens and you receive that meme, um, you know, as, as, uh, it's a little bit of a, it's sort of tarnished his reputation so much that he's just the subject of so many memes really, but, um, but yeah, you're right. There's, there are a lot of people, uh, you know, even within my, my in-laws here who, who say, um, you know, that side of his, his personality is not, is not something that we're willing to just, uh, forgive or pardon or forget, you know, he was a great footballer, uh, and thanks for 1986. Um, but 
I won't mourn the person because I don't, I didn't like the person at all. You know, that, that's, uh, it's not the majority of people don't think like that in Argentina, but yeah, there are uh, a minority who think that way. Uh, and of course it also depends how much you like football. If, if you're not really into football, then obviously you didn't enjoy or get the pleasure that, that people did who watched the 1986 world cup, you know, for them, there's not so much, uh, there's, there's not so much to compensate for that bad side of his personality is how I describe it. Um, so yeah, you know, he was, he was divisive in in life and and even in his death he's left people with with sort of differing and contradictory opinions of him i'd say yeah definitely i think that's it's it's important to kind of see the the both sides of it but i think the the one thing that I always i always sort of come back to is um that that famous fontana rosa quote of you know who cares what diego did with his life i care what he did to mine and i think that's certainly in the aftermath of his death, we it's best to to focus on that. You know, it's okay to be conflicted about different parts of his personality, but you know, you you can still appreciate him in warts and all, and and that's you know, as I think, hopefully, this this podcast has has done as uh, has shown what high esteem and the great memories that he's provided uh, all four of us. Indeed, indeed. Well, let's sign off with maybe discussing some some of your personal favourite uh, moments um, of joy that he did give us on the field. Um, Tom, Nash, uh, I'll, I'll come back to you. And, uh, and yeah, is, is, there, is there a particular goal or, or moment that, that stands out in your head when, when um, you think of I'm going to go with one that you don't hear so much about, really, because mainly because I actually you know experienced it uh, firsthand, you know, I was slightly too young to witness much of his playing career or, or, you know, all but the twilight of his playing career happened when I was was either not born or, or was a baby. So one memory I'll always have of Maradona is that, that 2010, the qualification for the 2010 World Cup when he's managing Argentina. And, um, you know, they're in the final minutes of the final qualifier against Peru and they need to get a winner in the pouring rain at Rivers Monumental in order to qualify for South Africa 2010. The game's won all, and, you know, in the final minutes, the ball bubbles around on the, on the soaking wet pitch, and it's Martin Palermo who just drives it home from close range so iconically. And um, I just remember the scenes of relief on the pitch and in the stands and all around Argentina when that happened. And when they cut to Maradona, he was, you know, he was, a, he was a short, chubby man by this stage of his life, and he was doing a sort of a belly flop, you know, sliding on his belly around the pitch at the Monumental, which was completely waterlogged. And I just think he managed to uh, sum up the mood of the nation. You know, if we'd have been on a grass and there'd have been, there'd have been a wet pitch in front of us, you know, a lot of Argentines would have been sliding around on their belly on the wet pitch as well, given how much that goal meant to Argentina. So I think, uh, yeah, just, just as a moment I live firsthand, I think that will will live long with me as one of the moments where Maradona just managed to encapsulate the mood uh, of a nation so well. And the other Tom? Yeah, I think that, that would have also been um, one, one of my um, highlights. I mean, I was, I was in Argentina in South America f- just for that kind of run up to, to the qualification. I think I was I was in Bolivia when when Bolivia beat them six one and and to see them pull it out of the bag right at the end in those dramatic circumstances was was so poetic. But um I think 
other than that, uh, the thing that I think always encapsulates him best is, is like we said earlier in the pod, when, when he's just with a ball, doing his own thing in training or or in pre-match war, warm-up, that, that seemed to be when he was most at ease and, and at peace. And, you know, there's so many great little clips that, that you know, I'm sure we could go into, but um, one that I always like is when he's just sort of dicking around in training with a with a goalkeeper and he's like chipping him from a couple of yards out and, and then the the keeper gets angry and sort of chases him and tries to kick him up the arse and that kind of thing. That that always just kind of seemed to encapsulate the the absolute mastery of the ball that he had, the cheeky personality, um and just that yeah, that that love of the game really. Yeah, for me, um, you know, it's obviously, you know, it's nice to nice to say I can, I'm a bit too young for for some of these things. But obviously, I didn't see much of his career, um, which is nice just after my birthday um, to say that I'm still a bit young. Um, but for me, yeah, looking back, it's, it's as Tom mentioned, these just seeing him playing with a ball. La, 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 la. <laughs> I think everyone's seen that video clip a hundred times, but just seeing him, how at ease he is with the ball is amazing and then you combine that kind of just playful you know just enjoying being with a ball combine that with looking at some of these great documentaries of for example his time at Napoli where he he led that team and drove that team and was the the heart and soul of that team so uh, you know someone who who could find pleasure in just simply playing with a ball, manipulating a ball, spinning the ball off his foot and bouncing off his head and uh, you know just having that very simple connection with the ball but then also taking that that ability and that that creativity and that artistry and combining it with you know such a desire to win and such a a fire um which we saw in for example his time with Napoli or his time you know at a world cup and to have a player who can play his very best football at a World Cup is is incredible as well. How many times have we seen players go missing at a World Cup or appear for a game here or there or or struggle in a you know you know unfamiliar situation, not having the same preparation, but for him to go to a World Cup and to to leave such a strong impression that completely impacted on an entire generation for 30, 40 years. Um, and probably another 50, 100 years to come. Um, it's it, it's a real testament. You know, so many players go to a World Cup and, and maybe they don't find their best form. They might have one game where they appear for a couple of minutes and you can see it, but for him to grab hold of a, a couple of World Cups and, and to to be so important is is pretty incredible. So, you know, those are some things that, that really stand out for me uh, looking back at his career. Yeah, I've... I've... I've already mentioned, you know, some some of my f- favourite Maradona moments in in this pod already. But I think the second goal he scores against Belgium in in the semi-finals of the '86 World Cup. If he hadn't scored that second goal against England, um, if that had just been a normal goal, say, I, th- I think that the second goal he scores against Belgium would probably probably be talked about a lot more and perhaps up there with with some of the you know greatest goals ever conversation um the way he just bursts um in the final third past a number of belgian players and somehow keeps his balance as it, as he sh- rifles a shot into into the net um yeah an absolutely amazing goal there's a header from outside the box whilst he was playing for napoli against milan 
which is a goal I always love for kind of the cheekiness of it, really. And, and it just showed his great awareness as a player to be able to do that in that situation as well. Um, and uh, he has some absolutely unbelievable goals for, for Napoli. It's always worth checking out sort of the, uh, you know, his best bits um, at Napoli. Uh, so many of them show off just how intelligent he was um, on, on, the, on the pitch. Yeah, so those would be sort of some of the standouts. But also sort of watching him live in 94 against um, against Greece and that goal he scored and then the run to the camera. I can remember watching that. And, and the passing move for that, that he's well part of before he receives the ball and blasts it in the net, is, is, is absolutely mesmerising. And it's always a goal I enjoy watching back and the celebration still. Makes me laugh to this day. Um, so yeah, um, yeah. Fa- thank you for the memories, Diego Maradona. As I said at the start, let's uh, let's just go round the virtual table again, and 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 uh, guys, you can just tell people um, where you can be found on on Twitter um, in the coming days, Simon. Uh, yeah, so on Twitter at Simon Edwards SAF, um, just actually just published uh, some Patreon content. There should be an episode on Mexico coming up in the next couple of days. And just now we released an interview with uh, Daniel Martin, who's the, the board member at Cotelois, uh, about Jefferson Paz and uh, Andres Colorado. Two players I think are destined for the Colombian national team uh, in the near future. So if you want the scoop. Uh, and a lot of extra content there's hours and hours of stuff over there a couple of quids you can get a load of it as well uh, you can check that out and uh, you can be on twitter yeah i heartily recommend that you can find me at adam brandon 84 on twitter it's a quick plug f- uh, for myself before i move on to tom yeah you can Robinson. find me on <laughs> you can find me on twitter at tom 89 uh lots of stuff on there I'll be doing some some more maradona related content um with uh peter on golasso as well so yeah just keep an eye out for that as well and yeah finally for me yeah i cover river plate on twitter so yeah at carp underscore english is my account if you want to learn more follow more about river plate okay huge thanks for simon Edwards, Tom Robinson and Tom Nash for joining me on this podcast to discuss one of the greatest players of all time. I'd just like to sign off by saying a huge thanks to our listeners and rest in peace, Diego Maradona.